0: guest is kathleen bene who currently resides in geneva switzerland originally hailing from hungary kathleen grew up in the picturesque region of transylvania we talked with kathleen about how she got her start in the hospitality industry when she landed her first job at a bar to earn some extra cash while still in school kathleen soon fell in love with the bar industry and cocktails and spirits Kathleen excelled at her chosen profession and quickly rose to the ranks of the bartending world after making a name for herself as the bar manager of the Gibson Bar in London, England. Kathleen has won numerous awards in Europe and is currently working as the bar manager of the newly opened Live Bar M3 Group in Geneva, Switzerland. Enjoy the show.
1: All right, we are finally back with another episode of the Industry Podcast after a brief hiatus. My name is Kip. This is Dan. That's me. What's happening, man?
0: Uh, you know, just enjoying the summer. Yeah. well a last, that kind of stuff.
1: Well, I guess we were technically on last week, but uh, yeah, it yeah. feels like this is the first one we've done in person for a while because Dan got... The, the rona
0: yeah yeah i decided to get a nice solid <laughs> bout of covid just to just to see what it was all about yeah gotta say didn't enjoy it felt like you were missing out on something yeah missing out on life actually <laughs> yeah. uh it only took a couple weeks to get rid of yeah. yeah that worked out not so well
1: so this has been the first in-person uh podcast since i was in new July. orleans yeah. you were in amsterdam and then you got covid yeah yep
0: yeah. thought i thought i'd you know finish off the rest of august by not being able to do much of anything fun
1: so perfect yes done well yes a lot of shit going on well we have a great guest as always cataline benet is going to be joining us in just a second before we get to that a few things to talk about let's start by saying that the industry podcast is supported by the case for wine your local agent for the southwestern ontario region is rick baroncelli Rick lives in Waterloo and is happy to take care of all of your wine needs. Whether you are a wine buyer, food and beverage manager, sommelier, or a private individual, Rick will be happy to discuss your wine needs. Act now and receive $25 off your first order by mentioning the industry podcast. And if you listen to this podcast and you don't like discounted wine, then I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> so check out Rick at the case for Wine. Speaking of Rick's Wines, um, a lot of them are available at uh, Babylon Sisters Wine Bar in Waterloo, so you should check that out. we got some events coming up. DJ Bain plays every Friday night. We have DJ Nana doing a monthly the last Saturday of every month, so you'll want to check that out. You should also check out DJ Nana's music um, on SoundCloud and Spotify.
0: And how does one go about finding information about Babylon Sisters Bar?
1: Uh, Babylon Sisters Bar on Instagram. There's also a bar downtown Kitchener that you might know about, Sugar Run. It's a speakeasy. We have a month, uh, sorry, a weekly stand up comedy event now happening every Wednesday, monthly burlesque and stand up comedy from New York. That's at Sugar Run Bar on Instagram. You want to follow us there to get the password and to also see what's going on. The other thing we should mention is that. As as dedicated as we are to this show, and we try and get one to you every week, there might be some some hiccups in the the situation as Dan's getting very busy at work, and it might be...
0: And something's going on with you as well.
1: Yes, you might be moving to Western Europe. I don't (laughs) know what's happening there, but um, also, yes, I am uh, currently in the process of running for the mayor of the city of Waterloo. So that's going to take some time up. I'm going to try and not let it affect these podcasts. But if you live in the city of Waterloo, you should come out and vote. October 22nd is uh, voting day for mayor of Waterloo. Did I get that wrong? I think... October the 24th. Is, 24. It's a Monday. I should probably figure that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah October 24th. But there is early voting as well. So but You know why? Today's August 22nd. That's probably why you got it mixed up. Right. The 22nd. August uh, October 24th. So come out and vote for Kip Saunders for Mayor of City of Waterloo. I think that's all we need to talk about. If you like the show, you should be subscribing, rating, and reviewing and that helps us a great deal. Also, if you want to be a guest on the show or sponsor the show, it's The Industry Podcast on Instagram or info at theindustrypodcast.club as an email. And as always, big shout out to Zach Hanna at co. He does all of our wonderful artwork for the Instagram feed. So hit him up for all your graphic arts needs. And I think that that's enough talking about us. And maybe mm-hmm. we should talk about our guest, Catalina. How are you?
2: Hi, guys. I'm great. Thank you. Yeah,
1: thanks for doing this. Uh, So Catalina is joining us from Geneva, and it's about midnight her time right now when we're recording, so we thank her for uh, hanging out and (laughs) sticking with us and doing a late recording.
0: Yeah, thanks very much for coming on the show. I definitely appreciate it. Mm.
2: Thank you so much for inviting me. Actually, I'm not in Geneva. I just arrived in Transylvania, so it's one hour later here.
1: Oh, Oh, okay. Um, It's good. So, and you're originally from Transylvania, correct?
2: Yes, exactly. That's yeah. where I grew up. Yep.
1: Right. So, talk. To, like, I don't know anything about Transylvania except for the vampires. So, th- tell us a little bit about <laughs> the area that you grew up in and how you got started in the service industry.
2: Uh, well, actually, it's a very tiny village in the mountain region, in the, the Carpathian Mountain, uh, just like seventy kilometers from Dracula Castle. So, watch out, oh, cool. guys. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and then i ended up in the service industry because i'm a vampire and i have to work in the night <laughs> <So
1: it's fine. laughs> that's right yeah. yeah and it it does uh, suck your soul so
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. well uh yeah well i grew up here and uh putting the joke aside i moved to the city um the second biggest city in, in romania uh, called cluj and i was studying there and as any student i was just looking for like a side job and just to get some extra cash, and I just fell in love with uh, with the bar bar scene and cocktails and the bartending in general. So,
1: yeah. And like, was were your first jobs in Transylvania?
2: Yes, exactly. I started working in Cluj. I didn't actually speak Romanian at the time because I'm from a Hungarian region, and I'm nationally uh, my nationality is also Hungarian. So it was very hard to get any job, and I ended up working in a bar, just like cleaning tables, ashtrays, that time you you could smoke inside, so that was my duty, pretty much.
1: Right. And so when you first broke in, what sort of jobs were you doing? Did you start serving right away, or were you doing like bar backing, or...?
2: So I was uh, helping a lot behind the bar and uh, learning the language, but in like three, four months, I was actually already able to to make some like basic drinks. And uh, one time uh, a bartender asked me to cover him in the morning shift, which was like an easy shift. And it was a Friday night and he never showed up again. So I just stopped <laughs> behind the bar. <laughs>
1: That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was
2: like my trial day basically uh, like throw me in the water and i'm gonna learn to swim
1: yeah well and, i think uh, it, worked was woody, out. it was woody allen who said that 90 percent of success is just showing up so.
2: yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly
1: yeah okay so you were working in a bunch of bars in that area and then like what prompted your move to go to switzerland
2: Uh, Well, actually, I was super um, curious and I always wanted to try new things. And uh, in Transylvania, uh, you get a very limited selection of spirits, bitters or anything or fruits, especially uh, I grew up in the mountain region. We were just growing everything ourselves. So I... I actually didn't even know a lot of normal things that I know now. I haven't seen ginger in my life or bananas. I just had like when I was like 14 uh, the first time. So I I just got curious and I wanted to travel a bit more. And first I actually moved to London and worked there. And then I moved to Geneva just to, to explore more the world.
1: Right. And were you specifically attracted to like the service, like, what you thought the difference in the bar industry might be in like Geneva or Switzerland compared to Romania? Or was it just like, oh, I just want to see different parts of Europe?
2: It was a kind of both, but also like I, when I moved from London to Geneva, like I was a little bit getting tired of like the big city life, especially I grew up in a tiny village and I was always close to nature. So I guess Geneva was very like this decision this, this was very influenced by like how beautiful it is and you have nature right next to you a lot of farms local farms uh, fantastic uh, produce and it just felt more closer to more close to my hometown and just imagine myself better uh, there but the bar scene is definitely different and compared to Romania it's almost the same level but compared to London is like back in time with like 50 years at least
1: Right. So let's talk a little bit about your time in London. Like that's a pretty big move going from Transylvania to London, where London is like sort of the birthplace of craft cocktailing, like where everyone all over the world learned how to do it properly. Right. So that and and you worked at Gibson's.
2: Yes. Yes. The Gibson Bar. yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's like a massive Very famous craft cocktail bar, like worldwide, and with a lot of history to it. So talk to us a little bit about that move, how you made it from Transylvania to start working at a place like that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, yes, it was a very, very bold move. Uh, I actually met Marian, the owner, before, and uh, he offered me a job. And uh, I mean, he offered me a job. He just told me like, yeah, I like bartenders like you. So if you ever think about moving to London, I got a job for you. And then I I guess I just decided to, to move there and try it. And I was super excited to see uh, how the London scene is. Obviously I knew a lot about it, but I never had the chance to travel there. So I was like super curious and I just moved there. I packed everything in a suitcase. And I didn't know what's my salary, where I'm gonna live, what I'm gonna do huh. exactly. I just I just moved to London to work in the Gibson bar and, and the second day we opened the bar basically I was already at work.
1: Right. So it was
2: again swimming, <laughs> learning to swim. Holy cow. Just like that.
1: And so that's got to be a big eye opener going from, like you said, like in Romania, they don't even have a lot of the different spirits and bitters and what have you. So now you're just like swimming in, like you said, in the deep end, like jumping right in. Talk to us a little bit about your learning curve for moving to a bar like that and like how fast you had to catch up.
2: Well, there was actually no time to learn much because we've been (laughs) just like working and like, yeah, that's what you're going to do. And that's why we do it. This is what we got. So obviously I I researched a lot before and I've been working already for 10 years in bars and I knew a lot of spirits from like online media and a lot of ingredients from the online media. So I've been like a walking Wikipedia already before, but I never had the chance to try a lot of things. So I was like, yeah, I know that fruit. All right. So let's see how it tastes. And it was just like quick learning. And in one week, I found myself uh, responsible for all the shopping, all the prep. And that was like huge because we had almost like 40, 45 drinks on the menu. Everything was homemade, very complex garnishes that were homemade also. So it was like a very quick learning and just grinding through it. And uh, three months later, I was already making drinks and eventually become the the bar manager uh, Cool. super quickly so it was everything just super quick but i always say uh, one week in london one week at work is like almost like three months in in romania so right. <laughs> it seems like this
1: yeah so yeah that's a, like crash course learning now is that would you recommend that to people or do you think it's like it takes a certain kind of person to like kind of get that crash course that quickly
2: uh, well, I definitely think not everyone could handle it. Right. Uh, I could also see that because we were sometimes like looking for stuff and we had great partners coming in and they just couldn't handle it. They just quit in one week. Some people stayed a little bit like longer, three weeks, but they just quit. They were not able to, to catch up because it was so complex and the, the level is very, very high in that bar. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So is that sort of where you figure feel like you got your your feet wet and like obviously a very crash course, but like that's where you really started to gain the craft of um, of craft cocktail bartending.
2: I can see myself like looking back. I can see myself learning uh, certain things, especially details details like temperature or like very like ice and things that I I always thought they are important, but there I learned actually they are even more important than I think. Uh, I also understood that uh, and learned that many, many simple drinks like a martini could be messed up in so many ways. Right. Uh, even though it has just two ingredients. But mostly I learned a lot about hospitality. So it's not even learning. As I said, I learned a lot. I studied a lot before. So it was more like learning like flavors or also my my senses to, to open up even more and know what's happening not just behind the bar but on in all the room and uh, like from the temperature to the the guest who enters the the door to to control absolutely everything and that's what i learned actually there to just not think as a bartender think as a like a someone who takes care of everyone who is in that room and just are Like I am responsible for them as well and the wives as well. So I I can't be just stirring and not talking and making drinks quietly. I really need to entertain people and make make sure they got like the best service and the right drinks and make some jokes and make them feel good. And I think that's what I learned in London compared to Romania.
1: Right, I'm glad you brought that up because we've had a few conversations about this exact topic recently on the show. Where it's like, I think sometimes people can get their uh, so focused on like what, like whatever their skill is, whether it's like flair bartending or craft cocktailing or whatever it is, and forget that really the job at the end of the day is giving the guests an amazing experience.
2: Exactly, I completely agree with you, and I, I have to say I was also one of those bartenders. Uh, back in the days who just focus more about the perfect drink and the right drink for drink for the right person. But obviously, I always took care of the people sitting in front, but it's just more to be a bartender is just more than the person right in front of you. It's like everything. You, you just need to be everywhere. And I learned that maybe you make a less good drink, but if you just control the ambience and everything right, the people still Uh, would choose your bar uh, compared to any bar like Top Bar who is making the best drinks but maybe they are not very hospitable
1: yeah I couldn't agree with you more and it's like uh, and I I think that like especially during the pandemic when there was so much Instagram bartending right because people couldn't be out in bars that we almost got our heads up our own asses a little bit about like what we could (laughs) what we could do (laughs) making drinks and garnishes and all this shit and then at the end of the day it still comes back to like like we were just talking about like it, the guest has to have an unbelievable experience and that's uh, whether you're just pouring beer off a tap or whether you're making the most delicious cocktail in the world like that's still the most important part of the job
2: definitely definitely i couldn't agree more with you
1: yeah i should just mention as an aside there are only a few more weeks left of barbecue season here in canada where we're from so what should you be drinking I would think some nice wine to go with some nice barbecue. I think so. Rick Berentelli at the Case for Wine has many options. Whether whatever the budget, he can help with modestly priced Cabernet Sauvignon or Pinot Noir from California, if that's your jam, or heavy hitting Reds from Barolo, that's my jam,
0: mm-hmm.
1: produced by Bovio or Luciano Sandrone. Whatever the event, whatever the meal. Call Rick and save $25 off your first case. Just mention that you heard about it here on the Industry Podcast, and Rick's going to take care of you. That's Rick Barranchelli, rick at thecaseforwine.com. So getting back to you, Catalina, Uh, let's talk about you. You had this, like, sort of crash course in craft cocktailing and working in a crazy busy bar with so many drinks on the menu. Then, like you say you end up moving to Geneva for just like a lifestyle choice. And now you're working in bars in Geneva. And like you say, it's almost like moving back in time. They're a little bit behind London for obvious reasons. So talk to us a little bit about that. Like you, you kind of must have been a bit of a big deal moving there.
2: <laughs> well, actually, uh, first I it felt super calm. Like everything happens slower. Like what could happen in two days in London, there it takes two weeks. So mm-hmm. everyone is like, Taking their breaks midday, uh, then just coming back in, in one hour. They just had dinner, a lunch, sorry, and uh, maybe one quick drink. Uh, that's like not very normal, like compared to London, um, where everyone is just like grinding, running. Everything happens so quick, and uh, so it was definitely a shock. But also, like the the bar scene, like there are a lot of great bartenders. None of them is Swiss, actually, oh, uh, really? which is very yeah. funny yeah yes. no one is swiss i haven't met one swiss partner in five years <laughs> so that's that, interesting
1: that's interesting to me too because i've been to switzerland and I was just shocked by and a lot of this has to do with because it's a social democracy there and there's like very high taxes but like you get free education you get free health care et cetera, et cetera, a great community to live in but as a result it's kind of expensive to go out and eat and drink
2: yeah, it's super expensive. It's definitely expensive as everything else in Switzerland. But I think it has more to do with, uh, the, like, the hospitality industry and the agricultural industry are the two lowest-paid domains in in Switzerland. So obviously, the Swiss people who got a perfect, a wonderful education, they just choose better jobs, like better-paying jobs, and they're not gonna you know, just mix drinks in a bar or stir drinks in a bar when they can get a double salary maybe in a bank.
1: Right. So uh, sort of what I mean is because you've uh, bartended in like three very different areas of the world, even though it's all Europe, it's still like, I mean, the difference between Romania and Great Britain and then Switzerland, Like, how would you describe the difference in the kind of guests you're getting at these bars?
2: Hmm, that's a good question. Well, Romania is very different because here bars open actually in the morning And you start with coffee series, fresh lemonades, fresh juices, and then it just improves. And in the evening, you mix drinks, you pour beers, wine, and actually it just has a a great vibe. Uh, The bars have always a wonderful design. The the bar community is very, very strong and, and they are very, very passionate. So they are happy to even pay for seminars just to be able to learn from someone abroad. They are like really, really cool guys. And... Uh, London scene is is super intense and the people are more like either coming for just a quick gin and tonic and the the pale ale or lager beer, or they just want to experiment, try experimental cocktails. Most of them are actually bartenders from from around the world. So if you work in London, chances are high that maybe 70% of your guests are actually, uh, especially if you are from award-winning bars, 70% of your guests are industry. So they are very, very different guests. They want different type of drinks. The weirdest, weirder it looks for sure. They're going to order it. It's, it's very different. And people like to drink a lot in London. I, I thought in Romania, the people like to party and drink a lot, <laughs> but moving to London was very shocking because then you could see ladies coming in, uh, sitting at the bar, talking very posh British English. And they're very polite. And then suddenly at the end of the evening, they're falling down the chair. They're just very funny. They're dancing. And like, they, things get weird at one point in London. And and then you go home with the night bus and then the ladies are like, it's freezing cold outside and you're in your jacket and like, oh, I just can't wait to get home. And then you see a lady popping on the bus, shoes in the, in the hand, just a small top and a short skirt. And they are just fine.
1: <laughs> well and part of that too is like if you're working at like a high-end cocktail bar in london well the people who are coming there are coming there to drink the cocktails right like they're not coming there for a beer or a glass of wine and cocktails tend to be like two three ounces of liquor in them right yes. so <laughs> that's got to be part of it as well yes. uh, i do want to talk a little bit about your achievements in the bar industry are quite impressive like Talk to me a little bit about how you get named Falstaff Magazine's Bar Woman of the Year. That's a 2019. That's a, that seems like a big deal.
2: Yeah, well, it was a big deal for me because I just made a big step back and I, I, I just moved to Geneva from London, where obviously the bar scene is not the same at the same level. And uh, I just we just opened a new bar. I just did a competition. Yeah, not because I wanted to win, but I just wanted to meet people, know what the level of the, of the bars, uh, know what's happening in, in Switzerland. And I'm an old person, so I obviously did my homework. And in the end, I think I got lucky as well, in the same time, because you also need a bit of luck, no? Yeah. And I, I just won the competition, and uh, things got like escalated from there because uh, a lot of things happened to me and like a lot of opportunities were just knocking on my door and suddenly I just got a lot of attention from journalists, from the industry and uh, and a lot of people from like uh, Germany, Austria and also Switzerland like started to connect with me and as I said it was more the competition was more for meeting people and connecting with people so I just definitely used use this and I guess people just notice what i'm doing and and i'm not like full of myself and they just nominated me to different awards and i believe that's why it happened not sure
1: well i'm gonna just list them now if you don't mind but like i'm not trying to embarrass you but like we just mentioned the false magazine you also have mixology bar awards shortlisted in the top four bartenders of 2019 is it b-r-i-f-t brift bar convent best mixologist award 2018 world-class bartender of the year and global finalist in switzerland 2018 and winner of the international team competition i'm gonna mangle that word but bar fights
2: yes yes bar fights
1: bar fights so what 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 are bar fights
2: (laughs) so it was actually a competition for for teams like people from different bars were competing against each other on national level and then Uh, on the international level and then I was part of the Romanian team where we just represented Romania in the the international finals and then just we just won there it was a fun competition though
1: and like I mean I'm not like I have no clue how old you are but I'm looking at you right now you're not that old so like to have all this sort of um to have all these sort of accomplishments at such a young age, like it's pretty impressive. So part of obviously part of the game now in bartending is sort of getting yourself out there, but it sounds almost like this sort of happened to you just based on your own merit. You win a competition and things started moving very quickly. Like have you found that social media presence makes a big deal? It has made a big deal in your career or not so much.
2: Not so much because I I actually started using social media just, since I'm in Geneva, I was not very active before and I actually didn't use ever in my, uh, my Instagram. The The time I was in, in the Gibson, for example, I was never posting almost anything. So I was not really using that spotlight, you know, mm-hmm. I was more focused on work and, and I, and to be honest, I, I, it's nice to be acknowledged. It's nice to win a competition, but I don't really think someone is a great bartender because won an award or won a competition so i don't really believe in this so i'm more like you are a great bartender if you make good drinks you're good to the people but don't be full of yourself i really hate people who are just super full of themselves they forgot where they're coming from so that's why i I just try to keep it like low-key and just be myself and it is what it is you know
1: yeah yeah yeah. let's take a little time out here dan are you a sommelier or a wine buyer No, I wish I could be though. Yeah, well you buy wine. Are you looking for new wines to build your wine list? I always am. Okay, well then look no further than Rick at the Case for Wine. Rick can offer several high volume wines that are the backbone to any wine list such as Pinot Grigio, Prosecco, Sauvignon Blanc, Pinot Noir, or Cabernet Sauvignon. You've heard of these? I sure have. Okay, the the mission at the Case for Wine has always been to regularly import different and iconic wines in small supply, constantly rotating new and different options into their portfolio. They currently have a wonderful selection of burgundy wines from excellent producers like Aurien Verde, More Coffinier, and Domaine Humbert Supply is small, so you're going to want to get in on this quickly. You're going to want to email rick at thecaseforwine.com. And that's, again, $25 off if you mention the industry podcast. And I, most people, I just feel like, are walking around mentioning the industry podcast all the time, so that should be no problem <laughs> for you. All right, thanks. That's our last time out for ads, but like... Uh, let's get back to um, talking about the scene in geneva because i'm sort of interested in that so you moved to this new and, and talk to us a little bit about the bar that you're working at now we mentioned to you before we started recording that we had like done a little research and checked out the bar online it's gorgeous so talk to us a little bit about what you're excited about at the bar that you're working at now give us the name tell people where to find you if they come to geneva
2: so I'm working at the newly opened bar called Live Bar because we got live performances, live music and uh, DJs and it's like a very uh, vibrant modern bar where we try to bring international level of drinks and hospitality and wives to Geneva because we, we really believe that Geneva needs it, especially there are so many experts working there. A lot of people work there from like United States, UK also, a lot of lot of people from all over Europe working there. So we really need a bar, which has a very different vibe. It's uh, kind of like elegant and modern at the same time. Quite dark, lots of lights and very, very vibrant. And we actually don't try to work in like a tie and shirt. We just work in like polo shirts. Very cool. I'm like quite tattooed as you can see my haircut is not not a normal haircut either so we believe in like you can be yourself and, and just just be nice and and I actually noticed that all those people coming in in their suits and just being very posh in Switzerland they finish work and they come to our bar and and they just loosen up because we are dressed the way we are and we are looking the way we are we just welcome them with a big smile and and then the show goes on
1: Right. It's interesting you brought that up because I do also believe that like sort of not having set uniforms for your staff, like I don't have those at my bars and like just kind of letting people be themselves and like, yeah, dress nice. Don't like show up in like track pants, track pants. Or, or, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Flip flops. Like I had that issue at one of the bars that I owned. <laughs> I had to. Um, Because it's like sometimes you get you let people take it too far and get too casual, but I do as like basically what I tell my staff is just like dress nice, like dress like you would come out to a nice bar, but you do but be yourself at the same time. And I do think that that sort of like you said, it sort of like loosens the vibe in the bar, so people don't have to feel so like it's such a stuck up place, right? Like if you want exactly yeah, if you want the black tie service, there are places for you. Like you can go to a fine dining restaurant and have like a guy in a pressed shirt and a bow tie serve you. And that's a certain kind of experience. But uh, do you find that in general in Europe, certainly in North America, I find that that's sort of loosening up where people are just like the staff is just a little bit more casual. But the level of service is still at that fine dining sort of level.
2: Yes. Well, actually what we are doing is also like we are like super relaxed and, and very like joking and very cool with people but very respectful in the same time and i still can probably say that we're giving like a super five-star service to everyone at the same time so there is like a bit of contrast you know because in geneva if you want this kind of service and quality you pay double triple price and you still don't get maybe the same quality of cocktail I'm talking about, like, hotel bars, five-star hotel bars, luxury hotels. They do the same, like, service, very attentive and so on, but maybe drinks are warm uh, and not uh, not the same presentation. And I really know it's, it's not the same thing. Like, they just do very classics, maybe not very well executed. The bartenders have this very formal uh, classic training from the hotel schools because switzerland has a lot of uh, hotel management schools industry schools they are worldwide known for that but they just give the old school training to everyone so they just didn't change that and if you go to hotels you just have the same drinks and style of making drinks like 50 years ago maybe so things were changing meanwhile and they just don't notice it i think uh the the, the trends are different the quality went like the competition is high so you need to keep improving doing better things people also learned uh what's a good drink, and especially in the pandemic everyone was like mixing themselves drinks so they they really started to know what they want and you you can't just give them whatever because they're not going to be happy you just need to give them your your best and it's even harder than before to, to make them make them happy. Mm-hmm. So I really say that we're bringing uh, five-star hotels, like what people could get almost in five-star hotels, but not about quality, about the service. It's like uh, they can get it easily. They just walk in and, and really, we would really take care of them. But I have to say that it's also genuine. Uh, in hotels, you do that because you have to talk and and serve in a different way in our bar you get served and we really actually care about you so there is more personal connection and then uh, we actually listen to people so they're coming back we remember details we ask questions so it's just it's like a nice whole picture that just makes everything easily um, uh, accessible for everyone so it doesn't actually matter i was talking about guys in suits finishing uh, the office but even if you're wearing flip clubs you could still come to our bar we would never kick you out right. so Ooh. it's like very accessible to local people to expats to office people uh, to superstars whoever want to come they just welcome you know mm-hmm. uh, but they still get a five-star service and then level of drinks
1: so talking about like we were saying like there's switzerland's uh, very well known for uh, these bartending schools and uh, would you ever consider doing something like that and sort of teaching the sort of new way to do it?
2: Well, I've been thinking a lot about this, and uh, and once I actually almost got the opportunity to teach in one of the local schools uh, in the hospitality schools, but then they just cancelled plans for that year because of the pandemic. Right. And and I I actually I think I would take it. I would take the opportunity because my personality is like I want to say the things the way they are and I don't like to make like a glitter put glitter on things I just say the way it is and it would make an absolute pleasure to just be there and tell everyone like this is crap so let's improve it and let's try to do it the right way the modern way and and just start moving things and and actually one of my goals moving in Switzerland is 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 trying to, to make a change. And, and I really want to put Switzerland on the international map because now if you talk about Switzerland, you just know, okay, ski, uh, chocolate, the cheese is great, but, but you can't name one bar.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. Well, uh, we have this new section of the podcast that I call like uh, Kip Saunders' life advice to his guests. I think you should do that. <laughs> I think you should get into teaching. You're the exact type of person who should be doing it anywhere in the world. But definitely, it sounds like they could use your help there in Switzerland. We really appreciate you coming on the show, and we really appreciate you coming on so late your time. I know you're a vampire, but still. I got. It. <laughs> but still it was nice of you to, It was nice of you to do this. Before we let you go, tell our listeners where they can access your social media content or what, how they can keep up with what you're doing.
2: Well, I'm using Instagram and, and Facebook, so you can just type in my name, Kathleen Bennett and I'm usually popping up uh, first right on top. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to to be here. Thanks again for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure. I actually have, have no idea how you found me because you guys from are from the other side of the pond. But I'm actually very, very happy to have the opportunity to be here.
1: Well, let me just say, like, I, I'm the one who generally books a guest. And it's a lot of reaching out to people based on stuff I see online. And so you did pop up. You're You're doing some great things. That's how people find out about you i also like to thank you for answering and coming on and agreeing to come on but then actually showing up because that's a problem we have sometimes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, uh, I know how it is Yeah,
1: <laughs> we, we work in a flaky industry. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, well thanks again. Uh, honestly, you are it's great to have people like you in the industry. You're obviously super smart, you know what you're doing, you know what you want to do and the uh, industry is lucky to have you so think about getting into some teaching.
2: Yeah, thank you so much.
1: <laughs> Thanks again. Thanks for staying yes. up, and we appreciate it. It was great meeting you.
2: Yes. Thank you Thanks. so much, guys. And yeah, cheers. Cheers,
1: cheers, cheers to you. With
2: some you. wine. It's not from not from Rick, but it's still a good wine.